0: I'd like us to turn to John chapter 17 today. Um, I've had it on my heart to, to speak on this for some time. And, and today we're going to have the bread and the wine. And we're going to have that towards the end of the, of the words that I have to say today. Is that okay? And uh, it's going to be a bit different today. You know, often we have the bread and the wine around our victory and around our inheritance. But today it's going to be different. But I'd like to read from John chapter 17. And actually, I'm going to read the whole of John chapter 17. All right, it's a whole chapter. Wow, we normally read a verse or two or three or a little passage or something. But today we're going to read a whole chapter of Scripture. So I better get into it because uh, it's going to take some time. So it says in this John chapter 17 from verse 1, Jesus spoke these words. He raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to all those you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have uh, finished the work which you've given me to do and now O father glorify me together with yourself with the glory that I had before the world was. I have revealed your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now They have known all things which you've given me are from you. For I've given to them all the words which you've given me, and they have received the words and have known surely that I came from you and that they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I don't pray for the whole world, but I pray for those who you have given me. For they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are one. All the time I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name." Those whom you gave me I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you Father and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world. I've also sent them into the world and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone but also for all of those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you've given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them, And I in them. Wow. You get a sense here of what is inside of Jesus. This is probably the most intense time of the life of Jesus while he was here on earth. In under one day, he would be dead. He would have been crucified. And he knew it. He knew what he was facing. He knew what he was heading towards. He knew he was about to be betrayed. He knew he was going to be whipped for our healing, scourged the back like a ploughed field, the Bible says. He knew he would be wearing a crown of thorns. He knew he'd be stripped for all the world to see and hung up high on a cross. He knew he would be entering into separation from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew what he was heading for. He did not know what it would be like. He'd never been separated from the Father before. And he knew why he was doing it. Just a couple of hours after this, he was saying, Lord, if there's any, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, (laughs) but not my will, but yours be done. And yet, here, in this incredible insight that we have into what's going on inside Jesus as he's heading for the cross, the centre of all history, the, the, the very turning point that was in the heart of God before the foundation of the earth. This is it. I don't know what you would be feeling if you knew you had less than one day and go through all of that. I don't know what you'd be thinking. And yet here we have this incredible insight into what's going on and what he's thinking about and what he's passionate about is why he came to the earth and who he was passing on the job to. That's what was on his heart. That's what was on his mind. A part of this, he's just having conversation with the father Another part, he's praying for those, those incredibly tight group of disciples. And then another part, he's praying for the world or all those that would believe. He says a number of things. He says, Father, I have revealed your name to them. You know, people you know, said to Jesus, can you show us the Father? Father and and have you been with me this long that you've not if you've seen me Jesus said you've seen the father he came to reveal the father he came to reveal the father heart of God the, that incredible heart that I don't know about you but I think I get a little glimpse of the father's heart I don't know about you you know you think you've got a you know, the sum of it, and then you think, my word, I'm just hardly seeing a tiny little bit of just how much God loves me, just how much God loves the world, just how much God has planned for us and wants to do us good and wants to make straight paths for our feet and open doors which no one can shut and Incredible. He said, Lord, I've, Father, I've revealed your name to them. And, and of course, the Father's name is I am what I am. And to help us understand that, he linked all sorts of things with his name. I am your shepherd. I am your wholeness. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am the captain of the host. I am um, <coughs> your, your sanctification. I am your... Intimacy with the Father. Right standing with God. He said, I've revealed that name. He also said, I've given your word to them. Everywhere Jesus went, he went about teaching. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Not just having conversations. He wanted to give information. What else did he say? He said, I have given your glory to them. All this in this little scripture passage that we've just read. I've given them your glory. We did a whole series earlier in the year about greater glory and what the glory of God is all about. He said, I've given them your name. I've given them your word. I've given them your glory. Then he goes on and says, I've given them your love. You know, so many people, oh God, pour your love inside me. You know what the It says in the Bible about those who have said yes to Jesus and in relationship with God. It says, I have poured my love into your hearts. We no longer have to pray for the love of God. When we receive Jesus Christ, we are baptized in the love of God. Now, we may have to pray, God, help me comprehend it. Help me understand it. Help me get to grips with it. But you know what? His love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He said, I've given them your love. I could say it like this. I've loved them. Not just given it like an object. There you go. There's the love of God. Oh, thank you very much. No, he loved them. He poured his love on them. And then he also said, I have sent them out into the world just like you sent me out into the world. So those are the five things that he said. He said, I've given them your name, your word, your glory, your love, and I've sent them. Incredible. This is just before he goes to the cross. He's thinking, okay, in three years I've done that. In three years, I've done that. In three, three and a half years, I mean, that's a tall order. I don't know, I think back over three and a half years and I think, what have I done in three and a half years? Jesus got a bunch of people from nothing and he gave them all of that. In three and a half years, there's a tax collector to an apostle. There's an incredibly impulsive fisherman to an apostle. There's the and you know don't get this the wrong way. There's the cray twins. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you got to know the sons of thunder. They just wanted to zap everybody. And to the apostles. Amazing what he did in three and a half years. But then he gets to the very, very heart of what this whole passage is all about. He started to pray and he prayed two things. And today I want to talk about just one of those things that that he prayed. He prayed this. Number one, he prayed that the church, the disciples, all those who would believe because of those disciples and you and I, are here today, if you said yes to Jesus Christ and you know that you love God and that Jesus is your Lord and your Saviour, you know, that's a choice that we make. I made that on October the 8th, 1984. Before that, I believed there was a God. I thought, you know, I wasn't interested, didn't want to know, hated church, hated religion with a passion, but never really thought about God, but probably thought there was something out there, but didn't care two hoots what that was all about. October the 8th, 1984, 9.30 at night-ish, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It was a decision because God opened up a way for me to see and understand and perceive and and say, God, if you're real, I I want you to do something. If this is true, I can't ignore this. So the first thing he prayed is this, that we should be kept in the world not taken out of the world you know some of the end time crowd should get hold of this scripture seriously more interested in leaving than staying hello oh he's coming soon yeah great and I'm really pleased Um, You know, there's something in us that says that, you know, for all those who love His appearing and all of that, we are purified and, you know, keeps us on track. I understand all of that. But you know what? Jesus prayed in the most important prayer He'd ever prayed when He was bearing His heart and pouring it out. He didn't pray, oh God, that they really look forward to leaving the planet. To getting out of here. He said, Lord... Don't take them out of the world. Keep them here as long as you can. Up to their eyeballs in the world, not sharing the same spirit as the world, not thinking that, all that means is don't think like the world. The world is not a place, it's a mentality. The earth is a place, the world is a mentality. And he's saying, Lord, Lord, I pray that you don't take them out, but they stay here. They're not of the same mentality. They don't think the same way. But Lord God, I want them to be in the middle of everything that's going on. Why? Because I want them to shine. As you sent me into the middle of the world, so I'm sending them out to be center of attention. Lamp on a lampstand, a city on a hill. Now, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not talking about ego. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about attention seeking, but I believe the church of Jesus Christ should be the center of attention on this planet. Center of attention. Should absolutely eclipse everything else that's going on on the planet. Should be the love and the joy and the faith and the power of the church of Jesus Christ in the earth. Is that okay? I pray that Lord God, you don't take them out, but you keep them there. And just like I was sent right in the middle of this thing, I send them into the middle of this thing. That they may fulfill the job that I've got for them to do, that you've sent them to do. We've got a job to do. The most important thing, there were two things he prayed just before he went to the cross. Number one, Lord, that they would understand their job description and they would do the job. Is that okay? Can I pray that for us? Father, we pray here today in agreement with this most awesome of prayers, Lord God, that we would understand our job description. And Lord God, that we receive the grace and we have the faith to fulfill that job description. Lord, we read the other week in the Sunday service, I've kept the faith, I've finished the race, I've done what you've called me to do, the Apostle Paul said. We've just heard it in this, that even you said, Lord Jesus, you said, I've done what you've called me to do, Father. And Lord, we want to stand here as a church. Lord, we want to, Lord, absolutely lay hold, Lord, of the great commission that you've given us to be in this world, not of it, and to shine in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So that's the first thing he prayed. But the second thing he prayed, which I want us to lay hold of very quickly this morning, very profoundly, is this, number two. And he prayed this from about halfway through the prayer all the way through. He said this, that they may be one. That they may be one. I in them, you in me, one. Us in them, one. That they may know the truth and this is the truth that you sent me and you're in me and I'm in them, one that they may be made perfect in one. I mean, this is, this, he's just going to the cross. He could have been praying all sorts of stuff, but he said this, "Lord, that these disciples who are going to start the church and all those who are going to believe, Lord God, if if I could only pray one thing for the church, one thing. I'm not going to pray that they go out there healing the sick. I'm not going to pray that they go out there raising the dead. I'm not going to pray that they're successful. I'm not going to pray I'm going to pray one thing. One thing for the church, and that's this. Unity, oneness. The devil has done an incredible job over the last 2,000 years of dividing the body of Christ. Incredible job. You know, divided by doctrine, divided by style, divided by race, divided by age, divided by gender. Divided in so many ways. And yet, the most important thing on the heart and the mind of Jesus when he was about to die for the sin of the world was this, unity. (laughs) Unity, incredible. So today, we're going to talk about it just a little bit. There is nowhere on earth that can even come close to demonstrating oneness like the church. There's nowhere. There's no other organization, there's no other group of people that can even come close to demonstrating unity. Why? Because ours is not just a natural unity, it is a supernatural unity. It's not mind to mind, it's heart to heart. I could have spoken on God's love this morning. Because it's his love which binds us together. And his love is a supernatural love. Is this all right? This is so big, what I'm talking about today. It is so life-changing, it's so impacting. It's his love which binds us together. And yet I'm sure I can speak for all of us when I could say there's probably 20, 30, 40, 50 people that if I thought about it, I could name who are estranged from the body of Christ right now. I'm sure you could think of people over the years that have run the race and are no longer, they've been hurt, they've been offended, they've been upset, they've been abused. In the context of the body of Christ but we have a supernatural love that has such an impact on this group of people that as a result of just the oneness we have the world gets changed we'll come back to that what does it mean to be one very quickly what does it mean to be one number one Can I just make it really simple here today? What does it mean to be one? Because, oh, yes, amen, we're one, amen. Well, what does it mean? What what does that look like? What does it feel like? What does does that mean in everyday language? (laughs) Number one, it means this. We consider others to be better than ourselves. Direct quote from the New Testament. We consider others to be better than ourselves. That doesn't mean to say that we think we are worms. That I'm no good. Well, if you're just a little bit better than no good, hello? All I'm saying is you're a little bit better than no good. But if I understand who I am and then I treat you as even better, hello? What are we doing? We're lifting other people up. It says this in the Bible. If you've gotten anything... This is a very eloquent translation. I think Philippians chapter two, it says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, Paul says, if this love has made any difference in your life, if being in community of the spirit means anything to you at all, if you have a heart, if you care, Then Paul says this, will you do me a favour? I love this translation of this. Will you do me a favour? Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep spirited friends. (whistles) Don't just push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. He says, Paul says, but put yourself aside Help others to get ahead. I love this. Do not be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand to someone else. Isn't that awesome? So number one, consider others to be better than yourself. Father God, we receive this today. Lord, that in our lives, we would have the grace. We believe it, we receive it. Lord, to not be so focused on ourselves all the time, Lord, but to be focused on raising others up, considering other people to be better than ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Number two. 12th chapter, verse 10 of the book of Romans says this. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with, with brotherly love in honour giving preference to one another. What does it mean to be one? Number two it means honour one another. Honour one another. We live in a society which has you know long lost the concept of honour. Long lost the concept of honour. We think it's okay to dishonour people And we call it freedom of speech. It's not freedom of speech. It's words that are fire to kill other people. That's why we have the the, uh, shield of faith. We can talk about the uh, shield of faith all day long about the shield and what it can do and whatever else. But the shield is there scripturally for one reason, to quench fiery darts. What are fiery darts? words that are set on fire by hell, the Bible says. And I'd I'd like to say they're words of dishonor. There can be other words as well. Words of sickness, words of poverty. There can be all sorts of words, but, but in the context today, words of dishonor. And we call it our right to have an opinion and freedom of speech and whatever else, but the Bible's really clear. We're to honor one another. So I'm not gonna overly think about honour out there in the world today because we're talking about that they may be one so what does that mean if we are going to be one then number one we need to I need to consider you to be better than me and number two I need to honour you I need to honour you. I'm speaking for all of us here today. I need to honour you. If it was you up here, you'd have to say, I want to honour you. Because this thing of honour is absolutely vitally important. What does it mean to honour? It means to treat somebody as precious and valuable. Husbands, love your wives, giving honour to them. As the weaker vessel. What does that mean? Oh, there you go. Oh, flipping it. Watch. Didn't say they're weak. It says you treat them as precious. Have you ever had to send something in the post and you put fragile? Handle with care. Just because something is fragile does not mean that it's weak. It means it's incredibly precious. Don't you dare smack them. Don't you dare speak words of aggression. Don't you dare dishonor them. Don't you dare put them down. This is precious. This is valuable. We're not talking about men having dominion. Headship is not dominion, headship is responsibility to make sure this is precious and kept precious. Valuable. Oh. Honour one another. Honour people in the church. I'm not even going to go about outside today. Is that all right? And I don't think us and them. But you know what? I, he said, I pray for them that they may be one. So number one, consider somebody else as better than you. Number two, honour one another. Number three, for the sake of time, I've really got to s- scoot through. Romans sixteen sixteen greet one another with a holy kiss number three kiss one another come on now we've got some churches over in France Lille, whatever else now I don't do the kissing bloke thing all right I'm not walking up to you and giving you a kiss But every time I meet with our French pastors or I go to the French church, you better believe I'm all over them. (laughs) Stubble or no stubble, I don't care, man. (laughs) I'm not starting a tradition here today (laughs) that we all walk into church and start kissing everybody. All right, not doing it not doing it. I have the grace to do that in France and in other places. I have the grace, which really, really, oh, the first time it happened, it was, oh, I was walking down the street of Ibadan and, and the pastor I was with, I was doing a pastor's conference, 5,000 pastors had turned up and, and um, it, it, it's an incredible thing and uh, just an amazing, anyway, so the pastor I was with, he took hold of my hand and held my hand all the way down the road. (laughs) But he did more than that. Tim, come up here. (laughs) What he did, what he did. Now, we love doing this when we pray, not. I'm I'm feeling weird already, all right? I'm feeling weird already. I had this going on, oh, thank you Tim, it was like, oh man, oh, just everything in me was like squirming and crawling, because we're blokes, Ben, come up here, come up here, this is what blokes do, how you doing mate? See this, straight away, we, we have the contact and we move. I didn't even have to tell him. You saw it, it was like slap and he walked. He went, he went, that, that was it. Right. <laughs> now you girls, I know what you do. You plait each other's hair. You, I don't know what you do. And it's great, all the touchy feely stuff. But the point is here, is greet one another with a holy kiss. That expression about having a holy kiss, scripturally, I'm not going to get heavy into this, but but there's a power in kissing. Anybody said amen? No. um, (laughs) It says we have a covenant together. We're in relationship. This is stronger than family to me. This is stronger than family to me. That's what that means because it's a covenant. It's a, it's a demonstration of a covenant. So we're saying to be one, we are to consider other people to be better than ourselves. Number two, we're to honour each other. And number three, we're to have an expression of a relationship. I don't care if it's a handshake, a back slap, rubbing your fingers or a kid, I don't care. But it's what's coming out the heart. It's we're in relationship. Yeah. We're family. In fact, we're stronger than family. When someone's got a need, you run to meet it because it's family. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? What's the next one? Number four. Ephesians chapter four, verses one to three. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, you one people, <laughs> to walk Worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness. You see, people take this about what's the walk what worthy of the calling? Ah, to be awesome. And the calling, no, it's saying, come on, this is about being one. In fact, the whole of Ephesians 4 is about coming to a place of unity. With all gentleness, humility, with long suffering. Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the, the bond of the unity of the spirit in the bond of wholeness, peace, with all long suffering. Number four, make this really practical. Be patient with one another. Why don't they get it? Well, just wait, they will. Just be patient. Just be patient. Is this okay? Are you getting anything out of this? Be patient. Be patient. Stop being impatient with people. We live in a road rage day that, you know, it goes red, red, amber, green. If you're not off the line within one second, someone's going to hoot. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Everything in me wants to react. And if truth be said, sometimes I have. (laughs) And I've got to learn to be patient. Even more so in the family of God, in the church of Jesus Christ. Be patient. Be patient. Do you know how patient God is with you? Do you know? Do you have any idea? We talked about what Jesus has done in three and a half years. Dear God, I think what he's been trying to do with me for 30 and I've still not got it. He's eternally patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, there's so much there. I'm... And number five, encourage and strengthen one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore comfort each other and edify each other just as you are doing. Encourage, don't discourage people. Encourage people. If I can have the stewards, please come and get the bread and the wine and start to distribute it around the congregation today, please. And just hold on to it the moment you get it, please. Encourage and strengthen one another. Are your words encouraging people? And then I'm going to ask, do you encourage people on purpose? On purpose. Don't just say, hey, you're awesome and walk off. It's not, I mean, that ain't going to encourage me. Do you know what I mean? That That isn't really going to do the job. It may be a very nice thing to say, but hey, encouragement, you know, I get some... T- Text sometimes from people, and you can tell they've thought about me. Hello? They've, they've actually thought. It's like, hey, I was thinking about you today, and I've just been praying for you. Or, or you know what? God just really wants to encourage you today. There's, there's one guy, not part of INC, another group of churches that I'm really close with, and every now and again, he'll just send me a text. And it's like, oh. What this does... Is huge. Do you know what I mean? What it does is huge. It just lifts your life, strengthens you on the inside. Number six, what else we got to do? And actually there's, I've just taken six things out of 59 in the Bible that says, one another there's 59 one another's in the bible you know what's important about the number 59 you know numbers are really important in the bible 40 is the days of testing and you know the number of testing five's the number of grace six is the number of man seven's the number of god you know all this yeah yeah 59 is a really important number i don't want to get deep today but you know why it's an important number because it's big It's a big number. It's a big number. If there were only five or six or seven or eight or nine, it would be just another thing in the Bible. But 59 times it says one another. And I've just taken six of them. But this last one here, Colossians 3.13, it says this. It says Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you you also must do. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. Forgive one another. Release one another from holding them in your unforgiveness remembering their faults you getting anything out of this today is this, is this alright he said you must do this we, we must do this forgive one another life goes on we all have opportunities every day to hold unforgiveness in our lives, in our hearts. But Jesus said, forgive them. Even on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Is anyone else going to you know, throw stones at you? So no, I don't judge you. I forgive you. I forgive you. What's been done to you that you need to forgive? What's been said to you that you need to forgive and release and forget and let go of? You know what happens as we live as one? I'm not going to... I, I just just cover my introduction here today really you know what happens as we live as one number one we grow up we mature number two we disempower Satan the Bible says love one another forgive one another don't lie to one another do not give the devil a foothold we disempower the enemy every time we establish our unity. Number three, there will be incredible transformation in our community. It says in the Bible, Luke chapter 6, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. They love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the world does the same. If you lend to people that you hope to get back what even the world does that for even sinners lend to sinners and receive much but love your enemies do good and lend hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great you will be sons of the most high for God is kind to the unthankful and the evil therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful and as he prayed in John 17 when we are one and we've covered what it is to be one honour and and forgive and lift other people up and and be kind and be patient and all these things what happens? The world is impacted with the incredible love of God and people come to Christ we are in a day where we must be one Because there is so much division. What else happens when we are one? It will release the supernatural. Acts chapter 2, when they were all with one accord in one place, the fire of God fell. Psalm 133, how blessed it is, how powerful it is, how good it is when people dwell together in unity. For in that place, God commands the blessing. Abundant life. Number five, what do we get when we live as one? We live a life of freedom. Free from intimidation, competition, envy, regret. But actually, above all of that, we live free from self. We live free from self. Today, we're going to close with this, the bread and the wine. And I want us to have the bread and wine together. Is that okay? Not in some twee, nice little religious way, but we're going to have the bread and wine together. You're not feeding somebody else. Okay? You're not going up and taking a pot of... Ugh! That's like, just not happening. We're not feeding each other. We're understanding this is one bread, the body of Jesus. This is one cup, the blood of Jesus Christ. But we are going to do it together. And how we're going to do it together is we're going to get up out of our seat. And we're going to go and talk to people. And we're going to encourage them. If there's anybody here today that you need to forgive, you're going to go and forgive them in the grace of God. Is that okay? Now, I'm, you know, but everybody's going to get up and talk to somebody. If you're a guest here today, please don't feel awkward. Just stay with whoever you've come with. That's absolutely fine. Have a chat with your whoever it is, your friend or whatever. But you know what? We're just gonna get out. We're gonna have a time of oneness. Is that okay? Now, you know, if you get up and go and speak to somebody, no one's gonna think that you got a problem with that person you're trying to put right, okay? That's not the point of this. We're here to strengthen one another and to encourage one another and just say, hey, mate, we're in this together. Guys, you can do that. That's cool. It's fine. You can do that. Girls, you can plait each other's hair. You can do what you want to do. I'm only joking. But come on. Let's all stand to our feet right now. Father God, we thank you that we are one. We are one. Jesus, you prayed it. We receive it by faith today and we thank you, Lord God, that there is no foothold of the enemy in this place. Lord, that we are here as one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one voice, one heart, one direction, one vision, one culture. Lord, we are here as one. Lord, we embrace it. We put our foot on the neck of every enemy that would wanna divide in any way whatsoever. Lord, in honour, we consider other people to be better than ourselves. Our desire today, Lord, is to lift each other up. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.